I'm excited. Once again, I, I mentioned earlier that this is Stan Sunday, and so I'm going to invite two guests up uh, here to the stage. We decided that was too small, and we didn't want to fall off. And so if you guys want to come on up here, I want to introduce you guys to uh, some friends of ours, either that way or, yeah. yeah. Come on up. Cool. All righty. Well, we're just going to sit and kind of talk. I'm going to give you guys some mics to hold on to. Oh, you're good. Go grab. So one of the things, I don't know if you guys know this, but a year ago, uh, we launched our Embrace Foster Care Ministry. Uh, one year ago. I know, it's awesome. And actually, I think we have, we have a slide, a, a quick slide, I think it's the next one, uh, about all the things that have happened through, through Embrace Ministries over the past year. Uh, I'd read all of them, but that's exhausting because there's so much, right? It's, it's so cool. Uh, we'll post this to our social media this week, just of all the things that our Embrace has done. Uh, and part of that has become, has because of uh, the organizations and specifically these people <laughs> uh, and, and the work that you guys have done. And so uh, give us a moment, just introduce yourselves for us. Uh, tell us who you work for, where you, where you work, and then also kind of how you got connected to foster care ministry or, or orphan care in general. Good morning. Thank you so much for um, having us today. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be here. My name is Genesis Elizondo, and I am one of the faith-based and community engagement specialists with the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services. It's so long. So we, um, um, we just say I'm an FBCE specialist with DFPS. And I don't know if that's easier. <laughs> <laughs> no, CPS that's is all about acronyms. Okay, yeah. you'll learn that. That's great. Um, so yeah, basically my job is to connect the community, um, faith partners, organizations, community members to our DFPS children and families. We wanna do everything we can to be the bridge between the church and the state because the state has a long history of reaching out to the community for help when it comes to our children who are in need and the first people we go to and the ones who respond most are our faith partners. So that's my job and I'm blessed and honored to be able to do it. How, how did you get connected to doing that? So growing up in the faith and in church, I was blessed to have the opportunity to have parents who were very involved in ministry with youth. And so they were always, of course, doing fun things with youth, teaching them, but they were there for a lot of youth when, when they, those youth didn't have anyone. And so I recall off the top of my head, at least four youth that stayed with us at our house at one point because they didn't have anyone else or their parents were just kind of tired of them. And so I saw how my parents made a difference in the lives of these kiddos. One of them was a pastor and recently went to, my dad is a pastor and recently went to church and just kind of talked about um, the influence. And so I think it's beautiful to be able to have that opportunity to help someone and make an impact in their life. And so that's kind of what got me wanting to work with youth and children. And then what was the other? Yeah, that's it, that's, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> that's great. Here today, my name is Amy McWhorter, and I'm here um, representing the Sanctuary Foster Care Group. Um, I also um, manage a foster closet across the street at Sagemont Church, um, and I also help with just kind of driving orphan care awareness within the church. Um, how did I start? Yeah, how did you get connected to foster care? Okay, so um, I guess it was about six years ago. My husband and I wanted to expand our family, and it had always been my heart to uh, adopt. Um, of course, we could have more children, but I just felt like there's so many children out there that want a home, need a home. I mean, we see them on the news just like we do with dogs and cats up for adoption, which is insane to me. 
Um, so we decided to foster and we opened our home up for the weekend to a uh, two littles, one to two years old, and it was just babysitting respite care only um, for three weeks. And then it turned into forever. <laughs> so um, we kind of started all over again. You know, when, once you go into this world, and it's, it's a ministry because it takes so much from you. It takes so much sacrifice. It is hard work, but it is so eye-opening and it brings you so much closer to Christ. Yeah, so great. it's very rewarding. Yeah. So you, you kind of, I mean, both of you kind of had a heart for this, um, you know, that you, it was developed in you through your faith and through, you know, experience. Like what scriptures do you go to that kind of, kind of hone in that focus a little bit more? So there's two of them for me, and one of them's Matthew 20, 22, 38, love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, prior to that, it says, love the Lord your God with all your, your heart, your mind, your strength. And just as equally as important, God says to love your neighbor as yourself. And what better way to show love than to support these children um, and families who are just in really going through really hard times, probably some of the worst times of their lives. What better way to show them love? And then... Stand Sunday, one of their um, key uh, scriptures is James 127. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. Yeah, that's great. For me, you know, it's just um, God's heart that we see in the Bible um, and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. But the scripture that I like to go to is um, Isaiah 117. Um, Seek justice for those who are oppressed. Uh, for the fatherless and for the widows. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, you can you can find a number of scriptures throughout the Bible that line up with God's heart for those who are uh, overlooked, those who are marginalized, those who are in oppression. Um, and it seems in our world right now, if we really kind of looked into some of the numbers, which which we'll get into, um, our uh, you know, orphans are really that group. And so could you, could you kind of reach, like, tell us a little bit, like what is specifically in Houston and maybe if you have some numbers across the, uh, across Texas and uh, what does it look like in, in Texas for, for foster care? Sure thing. So in children in foster care in the state of Texas is a little over 10,500. I don't have that number with me, but I do have the number of children available for adoption in Texas. And that is 4,620. And the children available for adoption in Region 6, which includes Houston and all of the 12 surrounding counties, greater Houston, is 570. And in Harris County specifically, there are 385 children and youth available for adoption. Wow. So you said the, the first one is 13 or 10,000? Oh, yeah. The first one is over 10,000. So that's of children who are in foster care. So when children enter foster care, the primary goal is always to reunify them with their biological families. That's always the goal. So not everyone in foster care is eligible for adoption. Okay. There are certain things that have to happen. Yeah. One of them being the parental rights must be terminated. Yeah. And so these um, 4,620 in Texas, their, their parents' rights have already been terminated and they're waiting to be adopted. Okay, I don't, I don't know if I, if I didn't prep you for this, I'm sorry, but, uh, and so how many caseworkers generally are there in CPS in this region? If there's like... I need, I would have to get it for you. Okay, but it, it, it's, it, there's a pretty large disparity, yes. right? Uh, and so the, the need for more caseworkers and more CPS workers like in the future is something we would probably encourage our young ones to maybe look into. Uh, what did that look like for you to go through that process? Like, did you go to school for that or you were like... 
So DFPS requires a bachelor's degree, but it doesn't have, require anything specific. My bachelor's in science, um, and it's in psychology, bachelor of science in psychology, but one of my coworkers has a, a degree in health administration, another one in business, so they're not really that picky. They just want you to have a degree yeah. to know that you can commit to something for that long and accomplish a goal. And you definitely have to have a heart for it, too. Um, Most definitely, because if you don't have a heart for it, it is, it's not to sound negative, but you're not likely to last long because the work is really hard. There's always a lot of things um, that you see that just hurt you and that it's, it's hard, it's overwhelming, and it can just be so stressful and trying. And there's not enough money that can pay you to, to experience some of those things because like the hurt and the trauma that those kids experience, sometimes the workers carry it with them. Yeah. And so, um, so you definitely have to have a heart for it. So tell us about, so tell us about the sanctuary, um, kind of what, what the process is there, and, and tell us kind of the importance of church partners. Mm -hmm. um, so the sanctuary is a foster care um, group that will license people to become foster parents, um, to foster, to adopt. So if you not just, you want to take it a step further to adopt, you can do that licensing as well. If you want to just babysit for the weekend, do respite care, um, that is a really big deal. And that's a quick CPR first aid class and background check. And I mean, you can change a foster parent's life, you know? Um, so uh, you can also volunteer with a sanctuary. We have events for um, adoptive families. For instance, my husband and I adopted and it, the journey doesn't stop there. Um, our children had trauma that they came with and we're still working through that together as a family. And so the sanctuary has these post-adoption family events. We all get together we all kind of know each other. It's like a community. So you know you're not in it alone. Um, and see, we have events for the church to get involved. Um, we have uh, these family fun days for foster families to gather at a ranch in Dickinson. And so um, we just go out there and we fish. We need volunteers to help the kids um, to fish with them, to just play games. I mean, there's so much you can do. Uh, what else can I say? Um, Sanctuary is amazing because um, I fostered through them. I'm also a volunteer with them. And um, they have something called on-call, whereas if you have a foster child in your home and it's a situation you just cannot control, they will come out to you. They have someone on, on staff 24 hours, always waiting to come out to the home and help defuse the situation. Um, they do something called trust-based relational intervention. It's a very, very good method in helping children um, that have been through trauma to help heal them. And as a matter of fact, even as a, a grown adult, I've going through those classes that I have to take to get licensed, um, it has helped me personally and my husband. Uh -huh. um, I personally, as a child, almost was removed from my home, my parents' home, by CPS. And so, um, you know, if you think you need to be a, a great, perfect person to be a foster parent, you're wrong because we look at the Bible and look at all the, the people in the Bible God used, yeah. you know. Um, it's just a willing heart. Um, so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to no, that's great. That, that way, but um, yeah. Sanctuary is just amazing. I've never seen a foster care agency go as far as they do yeah. in providing wraparound services for the foster family, and they want to partner with churches to mobilize people. Um, 
If you have questions after this, we have a table set up out there, and I can explain to you more around that. Um, so I hope that. Yeah, that's answers. great. Okay. Can you can you talk? I mean, as much as you you want to share, but what what does the process look like for foster care? Like, what is you know? Let's say someone here decides, you know, I think I think we want to do foster care. What does it look like with the sanctuary and with CPS and all of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. First step is taking the orientation to know what you're getting into. You know, um, you can actually, I believe, do that online at their website. Um, I think that's a couple of hours long. I mean, you're just looking to, you're learning about the kind of environments these children are coming from, the kind of child that might come into your home. Can you handle it? Um, that would be the first step. Uh, licensing could take seven months if you're committed to it. Um, some of the classes you can do over Zoom with um, the sanctuary, which was very convenient for my husband and myself. Um, since COVID, a lot of things you can do online, you know, over Zoom, which is super helpful. Um, so it's getting licensed and takes maybe seven months if you're, you know, really persistent or consistent, sorry. Um, and preparing your home, you might have a home that you want to open up to, you know, for toddlers, babies, and you need a baby proof. Yeah. Um, you know, kids get into stuff. And yeah. so your job is to protect them, yeah. especially boys. Yeah. yeah. I think we were, there's a Zoom Bible study the other day, and uh, one of our families, like the kid reached up and grabbed a picture off the wall right in the middle of it. We were like, no. It was pretty funny. Um, yeah, boys. So. Yeah, I mean, some of these kids have not had the chance, the liberty to do certain, certain things that a normal child mm -hmm. would do. And so getting in, you know, you're introducing a child into this new environment, um, it can be scary. And yeah, um, yeah um, but there's so many, so much training the sanctuary provides in yeah. helping you understand where the child is coming from and to walk with that child. Um, and one, one thing I really want to say is that, you know, one thing I hear a lot from people is, oh, I can never do that. I'm like, you can. You can be sacrificial. You can do it. That child needs you to connect with them. They need a connection. Whatever happened with their parents, they're, they're taken out of that home, they're put into a new home, and, they need, and, and while they're in that new, that new home, they need connection. Mm -hmm. They need to know what it looks like to be a loving, responsible person. And um, I, I guarantee you, God will bless you. Mm -hmm. He has changed my life and my husband's life, our whole family through this experience. That's great. Yeah, I love you know some of some of the things that. I guess on top of the support that they do for foster families, but like just some of the emotional counseling and support that the sanctuary provides is huge because you kind of get into the weeds of just keeping the child alive, right? For all parents, you know, the, the first few few weeks is like, just stay alive. Like it's all, you know, and, and that, that's, but, but just the emotion, emotional support that they deliver or provide as well is so huge uh, for families as they, as they kind of go through that process. Um, what about, you know, as far as CPS goes, like what does the process look like for some of these kids going through this? So as far as CPS goes, once the a child's removed from their home, it automatically becomes a legal case. And in CPS world, they call it a conservatorship case because the state gets what's called temporary managing conservatorship of the child once they're officially removed because that requires a judge to approve it, right? So essentially, the state is suing the parents for their rights. So within, the, within the, that legal case, they take typically about a year 
lasts about a year. Some, some cases may last less than a year, and then some cases may last longer. Every case is different, right? But within that year, the, like I mentioned before, the primary goal is always to reunify children with their family. We want families together. So within that year, the, those parents may be ordered to um, participate in services such as substance abuse counseling, therapy, drug testing, right? Or psychological evaluation, things like that. So within that year, the parents have time to show that they can, um, they can address the issues of concern. Like if it was drug use, maybe they'll be able to have that time, like a year to show, hey, I've been sober for this long. And then ultimately the judge will be the one to make that final determination in the end. So they might, the judge might say, okay, the children can go back. And so sometimes those families, I know it's hard for the foster families, but so that's why sometimes you have people who want to foster and adopt. And then so they may, um, they may have that kiddo for that whole year. And then after that year, it's possible that they could be returned to the parents. Or another possibility that say the parents are not an option right now, they could, the judge may say, okay, well, do you have family who those kids can stay with? Because they always, if the parents aren't able to keep them, they still try to keep them within the family. Yeah. So the kids can be with someone that they know and that they're comfortable with versus a stranger, right? Yeah. And so if, if that's not possible, then they will seek foster homes. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's great. How, um, how do you guys see the church supporting, not just like, foster like kids specifically, but the whole system in general? Okay, so I have a lot of answers for that, (laughs) but I'll keep them short. I won't talk forever. Um, But one thing is by doing, I want to first off truly from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys, because I've come to know this church through, um, through Jessica Dean with the ministry, through the foster closet. You guys have come through with that help. I refer families there quite often. And also there was a a point where we needed car seats. We're doing like a car seat drive. Jessica, I came thinking I was just gonna get a couple and I I didn't even, couldn't even fit all the car seats in my vehicle. So that was a huge blessing. Um, So thank y'all for doing that. And even thank you, Pastor Kyle, for participating in Stand Sunday because praying for these kiddos and families, that's one of the things that Stand Sunday asked churches to commit to. Mm pray for them. And then also bring awareness and talk. Some churches are kind of just leery or cautious over talking about things like this in mm-hmm. church. So those are two things that you guys are already doing yeah. and that are vital. Um, another thing that y'all already doing is having a foster closet. And I know Amy's church does that as well to help these families, to help support them. That way, um, whenever they're in need, they, oh, look, we just got these kiddos. We don't have anything. We're a little short, but maybe we can go to the closet and see if they have anything in their sizes, right? Um, also do things like host parents day out. I know some, my church back home does it like once a year. Um, so some churches do that more often, like monthly or quarterly, but parents day out is when churches can, um, if you have foster, local foster families, they can offer like a parents day out. So they'll babysit, I should, they'll take care of the children in foster care while those parents do that. So that's a way of supporting them. To, yeah. so that way they have those couple of hours or few hours just to, to themselves. Some parents may want to go out. Some may just want to rest, right? <laughs> or try to get things done. Um, And Amy mentioned this too, and also becoming a respite caregiver. Mm -hmm. So maybe if you want to do that to, if you have a, 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 like a heart for that, or you want to be able to help foster families, but you're like, maybe fostering may not be for me, you can do respite. And that way when those foster families need breaks or are having to travel or work, this and that, um, you can be a respite caregiver and help them in in that time too. do things also like host meal. We one of the churches I know hosts meal trains for new foster parents. So if it's a new foster family, 
Um, one, my back, my home church, they, this one lady, they were fostering and ended up adopting a family of kiddos, five kiddos. So our church did like a big baby shower to try to like overload them with a lot of things um, that they would need and also doing meal trains. So they, I think they did it for like a month, but that just something to help support, you know, and really the idea is to be that village because we all know that old saying, it takes a village to raise a child and it does. So for the church to just wrap around them and be that support in one way or another, or be generous too, if you know that someone is fostering or multiple children or, or adopting them, be generous. Um, hey, you know, we, we know you have a few kids. We want to just donate these Christmas gifts during Christmas time yeah. if you're in the position to do so. And even if not, you can even say, hey, um, do you, do you, would you like me to do, help you do laundry or help you clean up the house? Because I know you're, you're a little overwhelmed right now. Yeah. You have kiddos in the home, That's right? That's a big one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, and it, it, it can feel awkward, I think, going into people's spaces. Um, and I think sometimes foster parents don't want to open that door up and just feel like a burden, but you have to. Otherwise, you'll break. You won't make it. The failure rate, the dropout rate for foster parents is 60 to 70% after the first year. Wow. And we need you to keep going. Um, and also, meal trains. Um, we have children without placement in the city. They don't have homes for them. These kids are in hotels in the area. You can also get on a meal train for that as well. Really? Deli- yeah, it's taking food to children who are in hotels, and these are not the best hotels, let me tell you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And other things, a couple other things that I have is hosting what's called a heart gallery. And so heart gallery is when um, there are photo canvases or really nice canvases of the kiddos in your local area who are eligible for adoption. So I know we've asked airports to do it, malls to do it, and some churches do it. So it's basically, we're hoping that if people see the faces of these children, like Amy said, they do kind of advertise it. If you look at DFPS's um, Facebook or social media, they'll post pictures of one of them a couple weeks ago said, it had a picture of this really cute little boy and he said, I want a forever family who will tell me they love me and that they're proud of me. And so, um, yeah, I mean, they're trying to promote, so they want hope. The goal is if they see these faces, especially church, um, you know, our church family, maybe they'll be um, more likely to ask questions or to see that it's not just a kid that you're hearing about. When you put a face to that, you know, it kind of changes things, changes perspective. So hosting heart galleries to have these photos is something that churches can do to get involved as well. Um, and another thing that churches can do, I know Amy is, gets excited about this too, is Care Portal. Mm. Care, and you, your church is already doing this too. So Care Portal is, is a way that connects the churches to the children and families that are in need in, in your local community. And so like a caseworker might go in a home and see, um, man, these kids have been sleeping on the floor. They really need a bed. So they'll, they'll go into Care Portal and submit that request. And then the churches that are involved will get notified if they're in your vicinity, in your area. And then it's up to the church. You can pray for them for sure and then maybe decide whether you're able to meet that need. Okay. And I'm going to ask Star to raise her hand. That if you have questions, Star Williams, that's her over there. She is with Care Portal and she's amazing. She's a great Care Portal advocate. If you have questions about it, please feel free to, con- to get with Star after the service as well. Yeah, I definitely nerded out when the first time I saw that because I was like, some like engineer genius developed this program to like help meet needs. And like, I, I didn't realize how difficult, more, more difficult it was going to be to find people 
that need help to like make that connection. Uh, and so Care Portal like bridges that gap in a way that is so, so neat. Um, you know, the other thing that I was thinking about too, you know, I, I introduced to me, I didn't know anything about, but uh, CASA workers, um, which I didn't know much about them, but they are, they're, they're volunteers, right? Uh, can you explain kind of what a CASA worker is? So CASA worker is a court-appointed special advocate. And so that person is um, sworn in by a judge or trained. And like I mentioned, that when kiddos or youth are in conservatorship, it's a legal case. So for a year, they have to go to court hearings, the families and the CPS worker to let the judge know what's going on with the case and where's the progress or lack of progress. And so CPS, um, I used to work conservatorship cases. And I know sometimes it's so hard because it's like you have to, we have to go strictly based on policy. It doesn't matter if a kiddo is telling you, I really don't want this or I really want this. You just say, well, policy states this. This is what CPS recommends. And the attorney has to officially recommend that because that's the policy. And this is just my biased view of CASA worker, but it's a CASA workers, they don't have to go based on what CPS's policy is. They work with the families. They get to meet the parents. They meet the children. Um, in that specific case, and um, they build a lot of rapport with them and just get to know what's going on. And CASA will say, I've, I've been around, I've seen this case, I read all the paperwork, the history, this is what I recommend. The CASA will actually make recommendations to the judge on what they think should happen in the case wow. based on their knowledge and their experience with that family. Yeah. And so they, and I know that a lot of CASA workers, they will keep relationships with that kiddo or the family even after the case is closed. And not to say that you have to do that, but it's just sometimes it happens naturally when you develop bonds. Yeah. Can you think of anything? Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. So I was a CASA when I was in college. And um, I think that case was like a year and a half. Finally, kid, the kids got reunited with the father, which was great. But, um, you know, we have the state involved and you have foster parents. And sometimes people have a motive, you know. But the best thing for the kid, uh, Acosta is looking out for the best interest of the child. And the training is not extensive. I have maybe 30 hours um, you're visiting the school, you're spending time with the kid at the school to see what is it like, can you advocate for that child to the teacher and say, hey, uh, Johnny has a um, you know, challenge with this, uh, maybe you can help him. Um, it's going to the foster home and just kind of seeing what the environment is like. That's super important because my son's arm is broken in a foster home. So not all foster homes are loving and nurturing. Um, you need another set of eyes. Um, so ACASA is a very, very important person. Um, you could do that in college. You can do that retired. Um, you can do that and work a full-time job and have a family. It's one visit a month and submitting court reports to the judge. Yeah. And, and, you know, we talk a lot about how the long-term benefits of a relationship in these situations are just so dramatic, like increase the success um, of, of just the growth out of just some of the, the, you know, trials that some of these kids go through. And so CASA workers become a huge um, kind of benefit for us in, in the, the foster care world, uh, which is great. Um, so I mean, kind of my last question to you guys is like, what are your dreams for like foster care and adoption? Like what things do you like really want to see happen? Um, you know, in Houston, in your families, in, in your world, like, what are some of the things that get you super excited about? What gets me super excited is the, um, how Stan Sunday started was around 2003, 2004, I believe. Bishop Aaron Blake, he has a church in Brownwood, Texas, and he, he just felt 
led that Sunday morning um, to just talk about he had a burden for the children in foster care at that time, knowing that they were sleeping in CPS offices, like they didn't have anywhere to, to be, so they were sleeping like on the floor and just not the best of places. So he was very bothered by that, and he felt led that Sunday morning to just change his sermon, talk about that, and he asked, who will stand with me? And one woman raised her hand, and that led to multiple people in the church raising their hand. And long story short, it led to Brown County being the one place at one point, the only county that I have ever heard of that had more foster parents waiting children than children needing a home. And that is so exciting to me. So I, 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 that's still a dream that I feel like if he, if Bishop Aaron Blake followed his passion and he, where God led him, God led him to be there. And he made a huge difference in that community. And even now, not only Texas, but the, um, Stan Sunday is nationwide. Yeah. Like the people around all the nation are participating. And so that would be a dream of mine that we could have more foster parents waiting than we have children. And, and like Amy mentioned, we do have kiddos with like, there's all these acronyms, it's called CWOP, Child Without Placement, C-W-O-P, and there are kiddos who don't have anywhere. And just bluntly put, it is the kiddos that nobody wants to have for one reason or another. And sometimes whenever they experience rejection, I feel like they sometimes give up. Like, why am I gonna try to be good when this family said no, this family said no, they move me, they keep changing placements. And so they end up literally having no placement. So they're in hotels and the, the CPS staff watch them. They take shifts every six hours. It's a different staff, and that's just how it is. Like, one staff may have picked him up in today. And one time I was in CWAP, and I went to go pick up a kid, and he didn't even know. I, did, I had never seen him. He didn't know who I was. So it was, I had to go ask the principal, like, can you find this child for me? Because I, I'm here to pick him up, you wow. know? And that's just their life. So that is a dream, that we would not have that issue and that we'd have more placements than we would children needing them. Wow. I know it's, I just want to say, I know it's hard stuff. It's, it's hard to listen to this, um, but it's reality. Uh -huh. And we are the church. And my dream is for the church to be, look like the bride of Christ, to be the hands and feet, whether it's coming around a family before they fall into the foster care system, supporting them, um, to opening up your home, I think that our culture is so um, used to living in comfort. We were not called to live that way. We were called to be, to live sacrificially, to live like Jesus. I, when I go to heaven, I wanna hear, well done, Amy, you know? Um, so yeah, my, my dream is for the church to look like the church in whatever way that looks like for you, Personally, just I would just pray that you will listen to his voice, whatever it is, whether it's becoming a mentor for a youth aging out of foster care or opening up your home, um, making a meal, you know, whatever it may be, just please listen to that. Um, this life we're living is so short, it's a vapor. And um, I'm not into living my best life now healthy and wealthy, um, I wanna do the Lord's work because when we do, like the benefit of growing closer to Him and just walking with Him is, um, is unexplainable. Yeah, so. that's great. Well, what I wanna do for, for just kinda as we, as we close out this time here is I, I'm just gonna, I wanna pray for you guys, uh, specifically for you and, and the, the work that you guys do. Um, I also wanna pray for uh, 
the children in foster care and need to be adopted. I want to pray for our churches. Um, and I'm going to ask if, if you're willing to stand with us as we do that, because I think that is what this day is about, right? Um, so if you want to stand and if you want to stand with us, uh, let's, let's pray together. Dear God, we, we praise you that you have a heart for the broken, the, the brokenhearted, uh, the quiet, those who are under um, struggle and under oppression. And God, I, I just pray that no matter what, um, what, what you call us to in this moment, God, that we would have the conviction to do it whether it is to uh, bring a foster or adoptive child into our home, whether it's to continue to serve and, and deepen our connection with uh, embrace and, and the closet, whether it's to make meals or to do um, parents' day outs. God, uh, God, God, I pray that hearts would be turned towards um, these foster kids, God. And, and I just pray that uh, CASA workers would, would be raised up from our church and that people would choose to... Um, spend their uh, extra time investing and advocating in these kids. God, I, I, I thank you for Amy and just her heart for these, these children and for, for foster care and for the churches who are connected to it. God, I pray for her to um, continue to find ways to connect churches with, uh, with, with CPS, with sanctuary, with um, foster kids, God, and with foster families that we can continue to, to be the hands and feet of, of Christ in their homes and in their lives. God, we, we thank you for, for Genesis, God, and just your, your heart that you've given her for these children and just the commitment she's made to, to work with CPS and with the, the faith-based portion of that. God, I just pray for her dream to come true, that God, there would be more families with homes available than kids who need them. God, I pray that the kids who are ready to be adopted would be um, in homes the moment they're, they're ready, God. God, I pray for the church to step up and to fill uh, the needs and the roles that, that we need to fill in this place, God. And I pray uh, for our world to see the gospel clearly through the church's commitment to orphans and foster kids. And God, I pray as we do so that we would see you made famous in every part of our lives, that hearts would be transformed towards you, God, not just in the foster care community, but in our world, that our gospel would go out from not just our words, God, but from our, our deeds. And God, I pray for miraculous things to take place because of the commitment of your church to do what you've called the church to do, and that is to stand up and advocate for those who need care. God, I pray that this morning would be a catalyst just to continue that work in our, in our church and in our community. And God, we just thank you for people who have committed to doing that. And we just thank you again. In your name we pray, amen.